Hello, sweet friends, and welcome to the Vandal Trong Curious World Podcast. My guest today is the lovely and talented Melissa Jane Osborne. She is an actress, a playwright, a writer. I guess a writer is a playwright. And a new credit, a graphic novelist. Uh, she Her latest project is uh, a graphic novel called The Windy Project. Um, she also uh, has a new movie out uh, that she wrote called Oma, and we get into talking about both those things. Uh, I've known Melissa for uh, many years, and uh, she is a, a kinetic soul and, and a, a great person to be around. And one of her the attributes of her art is that she's very forthcoming about her vulnerability, uh, which I think a lot of us struggle with. And artists, too. I, I think, you know, um, you know, it's a delicate thing putting being vulnerable and putting yourself out there in the world without being self-indulgent. Um, you know, it's a fine line between creating a masterpiece and creating dog shit. And um, although both are sincere, you know, I think both come from a, a good place. Um, Melissa is is a true artist, and she's not afraid to go to those places. Um, again, you can follow her on Twitter at Osborne J Melissa, and um, you know it's weird today. Um, it is with a heavy heart that, uh, as you guys know, I'm, I'm record uh, sending this out there into the world on the day that uh, we lost playwright, actor, um, giant Sam Shepard. Um, you know, like a lot of uh, actors who. You come to the city. You pick up Sam Shepard. I mean, it's <clears throat> you know his plays are are kind of you know textbook one on one and you know how to be an actor, how to be a writer. Um, I remember being in acting class and just doing scenes from True West and uh, talking about the distance to Texas. Uh, he is such an influence on me on 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 his integrity and being a writer, and even his presence on, on the, you know, I was fortunate enough to see him, you know, give right readings, and, you know, all the film work that he's done, from The Right Stuff to uh, Mud, it's an incredible loss. Um, so I found this piece um, that I think Melissa would in, uh, enjoy, um, that I'll, I'm going to play for you uh, by uh, Mr. Shepard about art. Um, and if you don't want to listen to it, uh, it's about uh, four minutes, a little over four minutes. I hope you do, because it does relate uh, to our conversation. Um, so I'm going to play you out to this, um, and then you can get into our conversation with uh, the lovely and talented Melissa Jane Osborne. In fact, he had no notion now of which direction to take or what highway. It was a coin toss. He tried to Picture a destination. Lexington, El Paso, Boulder City. He had no idea. They all ran together. He tried to see himself being there somewhere, arriving. Albuquerque, maybe. Tucumcari. He saw a Denny's coffee shop that seemed familiar right across from a playground in an old railroad station, but he couldn't be sure which town he remembered them from. 
or why these places would give him any reason to return. There's a certain admittance about the frailty of being a, a guy on this planet, and that they do stupid things, and they kind of try to overcome them and try to figure out what they're doing and where to, where to go with that. He's an elusive person, and that's part of his charm, and, and it's also what's, uh, for me, has always been a little scary. That elusiveness, that mysteriousness is very powerful. There have been times when I felt like when I've gotten a big hug, and then there are times when it's like a nod. And, you know, that can be scary. In New York, it's like a theater. That's why I can't live here. This is not a, a light, it's an arena. It's a place to do your work and then go and then build work out of, uh, you know, another, your, your, your real life. <laughs> Since I was a little girl, I've dreamed about the West. Where did you hear about the West in Sweden? Movies, American movies. We see the green landscape in our dreams. It haunts us. So it doesn't matter who's in the Western. It could be John Wayne or Jerry Lewis because everyone's really captured by the landscape. Well, we, do. we love the actors, too, of course. Who's your favorite? Well, I guess I'd have to say uh, Gary Cooper. The Cooper. Oh, yes. He personified something, I think. What was that? Excuse me? That he personified. Oh, I don't know. That wonderful mixture of shyness, how do you say it, vulnerability, I suppose, and yet strong at the same time. It's very Western. Women love that. They do. Yes, it's very attractive. Why is that? I don't know. You're making me blush. I am. Yes, you know you You're embarrassed. No, not exactly. But when you get right down to brass tacks, which is more important, Gary Cooper or the landscape. Oh, I would hate to have to choose between them. Say you had to. Say it was a question of life or death. I would have to say the landscape. There you go. But I love them both. You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. You're listening to Vandal Tron's Curious World Podcast. Sit back and relax. Everything's going to be cool.
are you? I'm good. Um, How's the cat? Huh? How's the what? How's the cat? Oh, um, okay, so we can start now, just so you know. Uh, cat, things are good. Um, it's actually cats plural. We got another cat. Cersei and Bob. No, well, Bob passed away and we got Cersei. And then in April, so, and Cersei's been with us for about, I guess, gosh, two years now? Um, yeah. We got Sherman um, in April. Sherman? Yeah, Sherman. Is he named after Sherman Tumsley? That's what I like to think. <laughs> poor, poor Sherman was thrown in the trash and constantly beat up by a gang of neighborhood female cats. A pussy gang? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was. It was. I was like, wow, that's so specific. And I was like, yeah, it was a gang of female cats that would just go. Like he just wanted to try to live his life in this in a trash can and they would just come and like find him and terrorize him and beat him up I was like, that, yeah what what a horrible life anyway so now he's he's with us and and uh he's living the high life yeah well he's only got one cat to deal with now one female cat to deal with now but does she beat him up well he's got a lot of energy so he tra- he chases her around and and when she gets sick of him, he just kind of, he like, she, she bops him on the head and then, it, then it's over. She puts him in his place because I guess it's her, it's her house. Yeah, there's certain, I mean, he, he can, I mean, he has free reign, but there's certain places that it's, I guess it's understood that he, he can't go. And, and, uh, I guess he got the rule book. There's certain places that are hers and. He can go, and and what I've, we've been noticing now, and the places that he likes, sometimes she'll go there, and just to say, hey, fine, just, just so you know, just so you know, it's mine. And it's funny, so like when That's we, funny. when we, so we like, I mean, sometimes we like to joke around and think that they know their names. So, but sometimes we're watching Game of Thrones, and they're saying Cersei. Yeah. And I could swear her, she, like, turns her head to the TV sometimes. Do you think? Do cats understand their names? I don't know. I think it's all gibberish to them. And I think it's just Dog, kind of... hear the first syllable. Oh, really? Is it true that... I, I heard that, like, dogs have a memory of five minutes. Um, I mean, I know their concept of time is super weird. Like, it's like everything happened a few moments ago. Like, if you go away for a long time versus 15 minutes, it'll still feel the same, like, with their imprinting. But dogs definitely know their name, but I don't think they hear all of the syllables. How's B. Arthur? She's good. She's still a dog. She's right here. <laughs> How's having a dog? Doing, doing, How's having doing a... her dog thing. So, is is it... Is Elliot, I may have asked you this before, is Elliot a dog-friendly place? Yeah, people are obsessed with their dogs. So you can go to, like, a cafe with your dog? I mean, as long as they're outside. As long as the dogs are outside. A lot of places you can't necessarily bring them in, or, like, there's some places that you can bring them in really quickly with the understanding that you're leaving. Um... But it's not like I could... She's pretty big. I couldn't, like, just, like, take her inside a restaurant or something. I think oh. they're health coats, you know? Uh, 
people and their food. Yeah, but I think if you played dumb and you just went to a store or something and, like, walked in and it wasn't a food store, you're at the mall or something like that. So when, when, uh, you know, is, do you, you know, certain artists have, have claimed that, you know, their surroundings and their upbringing have influenced their... They're out. They're there are like you know Martin Scorsese. He grew up in New York, and that's pretty evident. And and all his his movies, particularly the the uh, the ur- urban setting uh, uh, films, and you know Spielberg grew up in Arizona, and so you can kind of see the influences, landscapes. Would you say that you know where you are influences kind of like how your brain uh, is is thinking creatively? Um. Where I've been or where I am? No, where 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 you happen to be when you're, you like know, living in LA. Well, not necessarily living in LA. You know, sometimes you you'll come to the East Coast or you know whenever you're traveling. I definitely think it affects me, but it's also just sort of the energy of the place. I think New York. We've talked about this before. New York sort of presents you. You're confronted with more ideas and more people consistently. Um. And I think I always write about New York because I'm always sort of, part of me is always trying to get back there for a moment. Um, but then, I, you know, I don't know. I think like this piece that we're about to talk about, I wrote sort of New England-y suburbs, sort of like where my grandparents live in Connecticut or outside Boston or just sort of any generic East Coast-y suburb. Um, because for me, that was iconic for being a teenager. So the environment does, where you are, I guess, it, it does impact what you're writing about or the energy of what you're writing about. But I don't really, I don't think I've ever set anything in Los Angeles because... Because that's never been the, done before. What? Because that's never been done before. Never. <laughs> I know, never, ever, ever. I mean, it's also, you know, it's like a one-horse town yeah it's definitely like its own thing you know here's an um, idea maybe they should make movies there just an idea you know actually that's not that's i do have a script that's set in la but la is very specifically a character and impacts the people in it but it's not i feel like part of me is always trying to trying to like get east just having a little part of me go back east a little bit so you, 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 you brought up the piece and, and uh, so I, for, for you know, people listening and obviously you, you've, you've, I think maybe you've read the RSS feed. Uh, Melissa, aside from being a, a very, very uh, intelligent and smart and, and passionate writer and, and, and performer, uh, she magically is a, uh, also a, another um, uh, thing that she can put on her her resume, she's a, a comic book uh, writer. Um, so when you were on the show last time, uh, you know, that's not something that we could really talk about. So um, right. how, did, how did this all, I mean, how did this all come about? I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall. talk about it with you because I haven't, none of my friends have read the book and I haven't had a conversation, maybe they have, but I haven't had a conversation with any of my friends. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't recall any of our conversations about, you know, the origins of Thor or anything like that. So how, how, did, how did a comic book come into play in terms of your kaleidoscope? Completely accidentally. 
completely accidentally. It was one of those things that I never in a million years, if you told me, I guess it came into my consciousness, like the opportunity three years ago, if you told me three years ago and two weeks ago I, I, that I was going to write a comic book, I would tell you that, or a graphic novel, I would tell you that you were insane. Um, there's a publishing company uh, out here in Los Angeles, Bob's a female-driven publishing company run by uh, Natal Gilboa. It's called Emmet Comics or Emmet Entertainment. And she got the brilliant idea to bring together female writers and female artists and make female-driven stories. So I met with her through mutual friends, and we hit it off, and she said, have you ever thought about writing a comic? And I said, no. You are crazy. No, that's <laughs> yeah. not me. That's hey, not hey, you know, I, I ever thought I would do. Hey, I date you. Um, know. Yeah, and I sat with for a bit, and I thought, okay, there's resistance there for a reason. So it's probably something you should do. Um, and so we started out. She, we repaired, I was paired up with Veronica Fish, and we started doing the first issue and the second issue, and then. From there, paper cuts came into the mix, and now it's a book. And I never thought I'd write a book either, um, but I was really surprised with the similarities with screenwriting, and it's just a situation in which I think my ignorance maybe helped us. <laughs> you know, I'm a guest in this world, and I feel so fortunate to be, but... Well, if you told me, if, if you're like, hey, Mo, you're going to write a, a graphic novel, I would have, like, shoved you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, how did, so the Wendy Project, that that's the title, um, how, how did mm-hmm. that, you know, how did the idea come up? Uh, you know, in a lot of different ways, we were just sort of talking about ideas, and I guess you know for for, for people listening, can you can mm-hmm. you briefly just describe you know what what the what the what the the graphic novel is about? Yeah, the truncated version is it's a teenage girl's journal, and it is a reimagining of Peter Pan from a teenage Wendy's perspective. And she, I'm not giving anything super away here. She gets into a car accident, and she sees her brother disappear. And um, when she comes to, she has um, two choices: either she killed her brother in this accident or Peter Pan took him and it's her drawing and, and figuring out and figuring out her grief and, and figuring out her sanity so what was that like you know adapting you know your writing you know from writing uh, long form and, and, and theater plays and, and screenplays to to this medium I mean what was that like to, to switch from there well, the cool thing is you don't have a budget, right? You just have your artist. So anything you want, she can draw. Um, so I think it, there, there are a lot of things that in writing scripts, like when you do write a, a comic book or a graphic novel, which I didn't know before doing this, is you write a script. So it's sort of like a combination between, I'd say, the treatment and the screenplay. Like you write what you want to see. And you panel it out and you put the dialogue. And then we would have a conversation, Veronica and I, about, you know, she draw the sketch of, of the pages. And 
for us, I think what was really important is that we had a language um, aesthetically that we wanted to keep to, to make sure that this always looked like it was a teenager's journal. And then from the perspective of like a theater, right? In theater, your set tells a story, your costumes tell a story. So using sort of the lines of the page and the color palette that we were using, um, we were able to tell the story, sort of the framework for the story as well. Um, and then I think coming from an, active pers- an acting perspective, to make the story active, it was all first person, it all had to be, it's, it's, she's your, you're reading her drawings, right? So it, it's all from that character. So I think there were things that were helpful um, and similar. And I think the biggest takeaway for me that I learned from the whole process is that um, having to push myself to, like, you know, theater, as you know, is such a verbal medium. And if you've too many page, words on the page in a graphic novel, you're, you're dead in the water. So how can we express these hard themes and, and these scenes but do it visually? And I had a great collaborator that, you know, aided me in, in doing that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, the artwork is amazing. Um, I'll, I'll put up a link uh, to the trailer, but uh, yeah, it's the the artwork is is is, is very is, is just mind blowing, um, and you've gotten great reviews. Uh, it's amazing. Um, what what uh, and it, it's not a a, a, a light hearted subject, you know. When I you know when no. uh, you know graphic, you know th- this particular graphic novel is not you know. It, it, you know, you're you're not gonna watch uh, you know Spider Man Homecoming and then be in the mood to to watch, to read this. Well, oh, actually, maybe <laughs> may, uh, maybe maybe, but I guess my point maybe is Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. My, I guess my point is, you know, what uh, what made you to decide to to, or how did this story choose you and and what 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 had the how did you create how did you get the gumption to say like okay I'm gonna go forward and and uh, and let the, and let this one out. I think stupidity or ignorance, <laughs> blind ignorance. Um, I started reading the source material again, Dan Barry's original work, and there were a few really weird lines thrown in there about Peter Pan being um, the angel of death, essentially, who walks children closer, closer to death and they're not scared because he's also a child. And I think it got me thinking because I think, you know, I didn't really always connect with the Peter Pan story. And the impetus for this was teenagers now, if a teen girl, like a flying boy, flew through her window, she'd be like, what the, what the hell? You know, and not buy it. So the more I delved into the Jamberry story and realized that I sort of had to make up my own rules um, to make it all make sense, the grief themes emerged. And ironically, I say, like, it chose me because um, I think before writing this, I hadn't ever really had anyone really, really super close to me other than, you know, um, some grandparents when I was younger, but that I've been close to as an adult pass away. And in the past year, I've had two important people in my life um, pass away. So I do think in a weird way, not that the story was prepping me, but it did come at, at a really opportune 
not opportune time, but like, you know, the right time. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I, I, I can only, uh, I mean, the, the, the journey that, that, that must have been, uh, I would have, uh, I'm so intrigued by that, um, uh, to, you know, what, 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 um, you know, what was your, you know, what was your process like? I mean, uh, and to, to, to go, to do something so heavy, but, but to, 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 to create something that, that is, seemingly beautiful um you know how what was the process did you have a were you i mean are you a writer that has certain uh, uh certain patterns that you know I, I i write at a particular desk or are you more free form and and you know writing on like diner napkins we had outlines for everything i i used a screenplay outline to outline each each um each uh issue and then all four issues came together as one book. So it was all outlined and, and all the scripts had to be submitted submitted to my editor and to Veronica. Um, so there was a process and there was also a back and forth of take this panel out, keep this panel, um, we can go further with this theme. But as far as like the images of grief and that grief theme, I think that was the most challenging thing but then also not because when you're going through something like that you don't have words right like there's no words to express what you're feeling and for me what I understand after the fact after writing this and experiencing you know loss in my life um, recently is that she kind of needs the magic to get through Right? Like, you need, I need to believe, and, and maybe keep everyone else different, but I need to believe that the people that I love that passed away, that they're, they're somewhere else. And maybe that somewhere else is just my memory, you know? But you also, you need the magic also from a, a perspective as well. So people, people are engaged and they keep reading. It's, it's hope, right? Um, so I guess that's how that, I don't know if that answers your question correctly, but that's how that sort of seeps in. Sure. Um, what would uh, what would uh, so I would assume this is for all ages, but there's a prior, there's a specific yeah. target that you had in mind in terms of a specific audience or, 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 or when you were writing this. Um, I think you know my publisher's response versus my response is probably maybe different in this question, but. I think it's, it's probably like 14, 14 up, but I think it's a universal story. And I never wanted, I wanted to create something that, because there is so much shame around grief. And also, yeah, just about, you know, reading about things like that, that it was a very clean, discreet book. So maybe it would be a book for people that haven't, you know, of course, people that read graphic novels, great, awesome, would love you to read it. But maybe people that haven't before. Um, because as I, you know, explore this medium more as a reader, I understand that I have my own um, biases about it as well. Yeah. So, so does this mean uh, next year's Comic Con there'll there'll be some cosplay of of the Wendy Project? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. It'd be pretty simple, right? I think it'd just be like a like a hoodie and like some Converse. Yeah, or, or like you could have like the wind or something. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we wanted her to be... It was really important that she looked like a real girl and that she was drawn by a teenager, right? So it's how a teenager perceives herself as well. Um, that was super important because I think also in comics, it's, it's really important for people to see themselves. Um, see themselves as superheroes. And for me, it was really important that you have this girl who's, who's not, you know, a superhero. She's a human being, and the thing that saves her is her art and creativity and, and herself. Yeah, I, I mean, what, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you've, uh, you know, created some pieces, uh, or a piece in particular uh, recently, and, um, you know, identify, you know, you know, just addressing the, these issues of, of uh, you know, feeling hopelessness and, and, and depression and, 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 and loss. Um, I, I think that is kind of like the, uh, you know, like the silent killer of, of no matter what age that we're in. And, you know, we, 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 we seem to have this, this influx lately of these, of these celebrities who are, um, you know, medicating themselves and then committing suicide. Um, mm-hmm. What... what you know, if somebody was out there, what what could in listening and or, or or just you know not in you know in the place that that maybe, I guess, of of that you know that that deep end, um, you know, why do you think there's there's some things that could be done or they could do or, or just some things that you know, um, that could help turn it around for them. I mean, I'm no therapist, so I can't really speak in an official capacity. I can only speak from the experience of someone that, and I think what you're referencing is a, a, like a, a piece that I recently wrote about having depression as a teenager. And I think this book, I had to sort of step back into those shoes and actually think visually, what does that feeling feel like? And I know it sounds straight, but I guess the only thing that I can offer is it does get better. And there are a lot of people that are closeted about mental health um, in this country that have had similar feelings and that you're not you're not alone and there's no weakness in asking for help there's no weakness in just taking a moment there's no weakness in feeling whatever you're feeling um, but the truth is you know in the thick of it when I was really depressed as a teenager, I don't know necessarily that I would be open to hearing that. Um, yeah, what would you just say to someone? What would your, what's your take on that? Um, you know, we're all different, and we all have very complex yeah. lives, and, you know, our, our, our paths are different, but, you know, you know, pain is pain, and I would just kind of break it down and, and, you know, what, what can you, what can you do in the next five minutes? And for me, whenever I'm feeling, whenever I'm feeling anxious or, you know, that, that feeling of, of of the pit of my stomach, I, I, I actually just, I count to 10 and then I count to, I, I, and then I count backwards and I say to myself, okay, so that's 20 seconds ago. I'm not in that shitty place. I was, do I feel a little differently? Um, and so I'm, 20 seconds closer to a better place I know that so I just kind of remind myself there, there, there's another voice in my head and goes oh that's stupid that's, that's fucking stupid shit 
But you know, there's another voice in my there's another voice in my head that says like you know it is true that we're I'm 20 seconds away from that you know feeling like utter dog shit and close 20 seconds closer to another moment. You know, and our lives are comprised of of moments, and you know, and, and you know, I, I'm I'm not a therapist either, um, but you know, I I think you know anybody who is you know who's a writer or, um, you know, in arts, uh, I, I, which is all of us, to, you know, matter, no matter if you're into Godard or Fast and Furious, I think you're looking for something. You're looking for humanity. And I, I, I would encourage everybody to, you know, take, take a time out. You know, I think our lives are so constructed to, for, for accomplishments and outcomes. And maybe you just take a, take a time out and do less. Do less for five minutes and see where that takes you. And, um, you know, and unplugging, you know, not, not staring at your phone or just kind of sitting, okay. sitting on a park bench and see where, the, see where your mind goes and, and think and about... that's really hard to do, though, sometimes. Absolutely. You have to fit with whatever it is you're feeling and actually be in it. And, um, yeah, I remember at the moment of depression and... and the piece you're referencing, I talk about as a child, like, I remember just lying on the bathroom floor. I remember exactly what that bathroom floor looks like, just being frozen. And sitting in there, eventually, you know, I got up. But I needed to sort of be there for a second. And sort of breathe through it. But the idea is, like, yeah, sitting on a park bench or turning off your phone or not distracting yourself with social media or other people's lives, like, that's, it's super hard. It's really challenging. Yeah, but I think, you know, we owe it to ourselves to, to investigate mm-hmm. those things and, and to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, and I, I feel like, so if I, if I am, have some free time and if I read a book, I feel like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. But if I'm at an airport and I read a book, I feel like, oh, I accomplished something because I'm waiting and I'm forced to do that. I mean, if I take a step back, that makes no sense. So, well, I, I, just, I just remind myself, I'm like, you know, I, this paradigm that we're in about accomplishments and, and, and being, you know, utilizing our time and, you know, all these cliches, and that's all they are. They're, they're just kind of, um, you know, self-creations. And I think... Yeah, like, do you feel like... Okay. No, well, if, if, we have, if we lack self-care, then everything else is just a facade. Do you feel like there's an epidemic, and this is maybe getting off the subject, but there seems to me to be like an epidemic of busyness, like sort of, it's like a badge of being super busy? Yes. I feel like we, because, you know, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, social media and technology is, it's almost, we're almost embarrassed to show people our work, you know, that like, you know, we're embarrassed to show people that we're struggling and all we want to do is show off. You know, we want to, uh-huh. we want to Instagram our, our life, our, our, like literally, you know, and, and yeah. yeah, it's okay. You know, we're all struggling. We all have bad days We're we're nobody is, you know, financially where they want to be. You know, everybody's working on themselves, you know, physically and emotionally. What's wrong with that? Why can't, you know, we all know that about ourselves and then we find that out about somebody else and then we become so judgmental. 
you know, and that's I feel like that's the hypocrisy that we're in right now. And that's why we people people feel so vulnerable about, you know, eking out any kind of any kind of like real vulnerability. And so we have this complete uh, antithesis of people just, you know, peacocking and showing off of how great they are. And, you know, um, you know, all you know, I've done this or I can do that or look at my life. Filtering themselves. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Putting a filter on their life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny that like so sort of what you, you mentioned I po- posted it yesterday I'm just going to be completely honest I freaked out I freaked out and these are things that I've been dealing with since I was 18 years old and like been in therapy been supported have gotten through the highs and the lows of it but the idea of sort of coming out of the closet and saying yeah I have depression this is something I deal with and it being on the internet and people reading it and like having posted to my social media for my friends and family, it was really scary. And and I even though like I think I've done a lot of work on it, the shame that still came up was um was mortifying. Um and I think in a weirder way, like the thing with like, you know, if it's through a character or like with Wendy or through images like it is in the book, it's it's easier because it's it's not me, it's not detached. It's like a, but it is detached. Um, but even as an adult, it to admit that, and I remember being, I remember it being in high school and like being at a party with a bunch of friends, and someone mentioned they were on medicine, and then I, like someone else was like, I want medicine, I want medicine, and suddenly you're like, we're just we all have the same secret that we're holding. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, we, we, we're, we're spending so much energy, like, ho- holding back and covering and concealing. And like you said, like, it, all it takes is that one crack. And then I think everybody starts showing their cards. Um, was, that, was that kind of, like, your motivation to, to write that piece? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, it definitely was, it was hard to write and it was hard to post. And also, too, I didn't want to feel like I was, like, taking advantage, you know? Like sharing it for I think when people and that's also like the ego talking like are you sharing it to get attention you know because a lot of times when you have depression you don't want it like not the worst thing people can say but it's not pleasant when someone's like oh you'll feel better oh, I'm so sorry you're experiencing that like that doesn't help you know that's actually the but last thing you probably want to hear exactly mm-hmm. um Everything's gonna be okay. Oh well, I feel uh, I yeah. feel horrible. I want to die. <laughs> well, you're just in it. Well, you can't you can't see out of it. Um, yeah, so it definitely was it was challenging. I mean, I, I because of this project, I've, my mom sent me all my teenage journals, and I've been rereading them and <laughs> just remembering and like sort of being like wow i've grown a lot but i'm also the same person so what 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 are some things what are (laughs) so what are some things that you feel like you you've changed like how have you changed it since those days just reading the journals um i think i was really i think i was really hard on myself i was really into the idea of what things should be as opposed to just allowing things to be what they are in that moment. 
Um, definitely, like, a lot of, like, wanting to control things. And I wasn't, but I don't know that I was, like, the most fun teenager. <laughs> um, but then there's other themes of, like, introspection and love and, like, questioning thoughts and bigger questions that I read them and I laugh and I'm like yeah those are still the same things I I think about I guess I just don't get as stressed out about them anymore because I know I don't I'm I'm gonna keep my entire life I'm gonna be consistently looking for for answers right and I think that's the 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 key to you know growing growing up and being an adult is you know when you're young uh, and young is a relative term, but when you're young, you, you want to find all these answers. You want validation to what you think and what you believe. And I think when you get older, you experience certain things. You experience life, and then you say, you know what? I don't, it doesn't, it does, that's okay. I don't, I don't, I haven't figured this out, but it's okay. And it's funny because I remember my parents being like, none of this matters. It's not matter. You know, like it's, it's all going to be fine. Whatever happens, you're going to be fine. Like, this is it. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know? And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, right. I was partially right. I'm sure that went over well with the uh, the adolescent version of your of you, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to write six volumes about it. Um, but they're really intense. Like, they're, I have, like, annotated AIM conversations. And, like, these beautiful emails that I wrote to boys that I had feelings for and then their responses back and then my written response on their response, what their responses mean and um, it's, it's just it's funny, like reading back and being like, wow, that was a really interesting young girl <laughs> I wish I had been kinder to her <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, you know, and maybe, maybe we do that, you know, and, you know, that's, that's cyclical in our lives that we look back and, you know, that we say, wow, what a dum-dum. I'm so much better now. And then we'll do that, you know, again and again and again. Um, you know, hopefully we're, we continue to grow and, and change as people. Oh, yeah, I think well, I'll, I'll probably consider myself a dum dum for the rest of my life. But like that's—it sounds like a great place to be in, right? Because you're always like, I don't know. Let me ask some questions and figure it out. Because like when I think I have something figured out, it's usually a really bad place to be. <laughs> right. Oh, speaking. Oh, another thing too. Speaking of writing and uh, and, and 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 traditional. Well, not traditional. Um, but. Uh, just speaking of screenplays and, and, and plays and so forth, you're headed to the Rhode Island Film Festival, is that correct? Oma, yeah, Oma is going to be screening at the Rhode Island Film Festival at Holly Shorts, Long Island, no, in Long Island, Long Beach, um, and I think we have some in Europe, too. Wow. Are you going, to any, cool. of those, are you going to any of the festivals? Yeah, I'm going to try to get to a few of them. I want to see... It's funny, like, you know, when you do a play, and you know this, like, one, for me, at least the most fun part about doing a play is you get drinks with people afterwards, there's snacks, and you talk about, you talk about what they saw, you talk about the themes around it, you talk about the, whatever conversation comes out of it, and I think that's going to be really exciting with Oma is to 
have people watch it and then have them tell me their stories or whatever comes up. And with a book, the weirdest thing is that people are reading it separate from you. Like, I kind of want to, I want to, like, call everyone. <laughs> I don't be like, well, let's talk about, like, not necessarily the book, but, like, what, what, what did it bring up for you? Like, what's going on with you after reading that, you know? Yeah, and I, I imagine you're getting responses from people, or, or if you haven't got yet, I'm sure you, you will be getting them in abundance, um, from people that you, you, you've never met, you know, strangers from all across the country and maybe even the world. On, on both yeah, projects. That's cool. That's cool. So, um, I mean, so where where are you? so in in the grand scheme of things, you you you've got both uh, uh, writing projects, you know, uh, off you know off and running, and um, you know where where how does this register for you now? Like where where are you? Um, you know, creatively and and, and emotionally and and just, you know, and even spiritually. Um, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, you, you, like, you know we, we have, you know, you've got all these things going on. And so sometimes right. in, in our lives, you know, we look at people, and we, you know, we, we evaluate their, their happiness based on accomplishments. And so, oh, well, Melissa's got these projects going on. She must be over the moon. She must wake up and do cartwheels. She must be having fun. Um, so I, I'm just curious to know, like, what, you know, what has all this, all this, you know, this, this influx of, of activity and, and success, what, what is that meant for you at this moment right now? I mean, I'm very, very grateful. I think the bigger thing for me is if it means that more eyes are on these stories and they start more conversations, then the better. Um, if it gives longevity to other projects, that's great. But as far as, like, happiness coming from whatever one deems is successful or perceives as successful, that's not really the situation because you're still working to get those stories out there, right? Like, my, my creative work on this project is done, but my other work isn't. Right. Um, I'm super happy and super excited, but I think I'm more happy and excited for, like, the little girls that, they've been a bunch of teenagers, they read the book and they come to you and they're like, I like drawing too, I want to make stuff, or, like, I've been feeling like this as well, and that's exciting to me. That, that makes me super happy because I don't try to take the ego out of it, right? Like, this story... It's Veronica and in her work and us working together and that created this book. And with Oma, it's Daniela and she and I working together and creating that. And then it's also just like something bigger that I don't understand kind of coming through me. And maybe that sounds pretentious, but like the story is more important than my feelings of happiness surrounding it, if that makes any sense to you. No, definitely. Um, do do you think are, are the there will be expansions with either of these projects, um, or I mean, will we see them in different with, forms? Or yeah, there's some stuff going on with Wendy that I'm not allowed to really talk about. Oh, you and your secrets. <laughs> um, but as soon as I can, I will. 
through all this I think there are different moments of happiness right I don't know about you but like that moment that you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like oh gosh I have to put this down I have this idea that's a super cool moment um the moment when you send that first draft in you think you're a genius also a super cool moment (laughs) the moment when you get you get tons of notes back and you feel like you're just the worst in the world but then you have to get over yourself and fix it also a good moment and then there's when people see it and it's in the world. And I guess that's, that's, a, that's a fun part too. So with, with Wendy, like that's, that's the part I'm enjoying and the conversations that hopefully I'll get to have, continue to have around it. And if it helps, like if we reach people going through stuff, going through grief, that's great. So, so yeah, it makes me super happy. So you mentioned earlier about ego, and I'm always curious mm-hmm. about how people balance, you know, ego. Because ego can, act, you know, we always associate ego negatively, but, you know, ego can be something positive. So how, how do you, in your life, how do you balance that? How do you keep your ego in check, and how do you use your ego to kind of bolster yourself? I think... You can use it positively as, like, you solidly know who you are. And you know you're in your gut, like, what's right for you and what's not. Um, I think the moments where I ask myself, like, am I coming from a place of fear with this? Because then that's my ego. Like, that's me, Melissa, being afraid of being embarrassed or being hurt or being scared or feeling like a failure. If it's, if, if it's fear and it's not love. So I think that's kind of how I check it um and sometimes you think you're coming from a place of love and you're really not and then usually you find out pretty quick that's not really what was happening right so but yeah it's it, it, like it, it, you, I, I get what you're saying like it's a fine balance because you don't want to be a Pollyanna and you don't want to be you know like a dish rag and, and, and get pushed around. So it's how do you, like, like be solid? Well, um, I mean, one of the, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I do, like, I antagonize over, like, with myself, like, whenever, you know, whenever I write something, I, I always look back, uh-huh. like, I'll step back and I'll come back and say, like, uh, is this my ego? Like, why am I, why did I write this? And, and then I start to get paralysis of analysis and, and I have to just step away again, you know, because like whether it's like a joke that you want to incorporate uh-huh. or or a scene that you're kind of married to and you know it doesn't really fit, but you want it, you you just right. entertain yourself, and it's like, ah, oh, man, that's your ego, let it go. Um, and you know, you're here for the story. But you also know the ones that you really want to fight for, right? Like you know in your gut 
the, the thing that's been really cool or was really cool about this process and then the other continuing projects that's going on, right, is if I have collaborators and they can offer me something better. Like if Veronica could come in and be like, hey, you need to lose this panel. This image isn't working. Let's ditch it. And she could do it better. Great, because it serves the story. Right. So, like, what's serving the story versus, oh, I really think that's a pretty picture, or I really love this joke or this line. Um, it's interesting. It's like I, I started doing, like, fussing around with stand-up, and I would not call myself a stand-up, and I would just say I'm fussing around with stand-up, but the idea that you only have, like, three minutes. So if, like, a joke isn't working, even if you love that joke with all your being, you, you want to try it out with, like, a bunch of people, a bunch of, a bunch of different rooms. You gotta cut it because you only got three minutes. Right. Unless you want to die on the board for it, and you know those things that you you want to. But I think that's where your collaborators, at least for me, where that's been helpful. Or even if it's not collaborators you're working with, like you know, like people like you, like friends, right, that you can send stuff to, um, and have their thoughts. So we kind of alluded to this before, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you out on this. Um, you know, going through your journals, um, mm-hmm. what uh, what would you say? So, what? How old were you when you wrote those journals? Like sixteen, fifteen? I started. No, no, I started journaling. Hmm, it's really funny. Uh, I think when I was in fourth grade, I my first journal was I got these like post it notes on them. And I would write letters to my future husband, and I would <laughs> label them "Dear my someone," and I would put them in a shoebox. And I had the idea that when I met my husband, I would give him the shoebox, so he would know me better. Yeah, that's not like creepy. That's, that's not that's not creepy at all. Yeah, right. I should totally show up on dates like with this box, right? <laughs> I'd totally weed people out. I would know. Um, and then from there, I transitioned to journal, and then I journaled. I mean, sometimes four or five volumes a year um, until I was, I think, until I went to college. Um, and for me, it, and that's also sort of what inspired Wendy, this idea that, like, it's a safe place. And you can sort of, it's weird. In some of them, I was reading them. Some of them, there's one entry where I'm, like, thanking my journal for being there. Like, it's like a third party. <laughs> like a um, little symbiote. Yeah, or I I, I, I I intro them. Like, this journal, the, I don't know what if this will be an eventful journal or have anything interesting in it. You know, there's like a prologue. It's so pretentious. But, were, were, you know, you, that's where I was at. Were you thinking that your house would get burglarized and the, you know, years no, and years and then the, like, and the burglar that, like, would be reading your you. journal? I had no concern that anyone would read anything because I don't know that I thought that I was like super interesting like it wasn't really for anyone to read maybe those the notes to my future husband thing okay so like so let's just take that version of you so who you are now mm-hmm. right to July 2017 what would you say to that version of of the of 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 the the, the young lass who's penning to future husband Maybe write letters to yourself instead. <laughs> like future husband, sure, but you, you, all those things you want from future husband, you, you can be for yourself. Right, right. And and once you're once you're that for yourself, sure he'll come along, you know, or not. But 
Were you were you writing to Carrie Elwes? Was this around Brit- Princess Bride era? No, it wasn't. I don't know that I had like a person in my mind's eye, honestly. I think it was like a Music Man reference, like my someone. But the idea that there was like someone out there that eventually would care about these things. <laughs> when really, I, yeah, I'd say to her like, hey, care about them yourself. Like you, and eventually it's weird. It did transition to that. Um, and then I realized like as I got older, I stopped journaling when I fell in love. I stopped journaling when emails came in, like, because I would just start sending emails to people and, um, you know, text messages and, and all that. And journaling kind of left me, except when things happened that I needed it. Like, I would start doing morning pages if I was going through a rough time. So it kind of always became this, like, back pocket thing that I would go to um, when I needed to let things out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, I think we do certain things in our life um, for for reasons that we may not know, but are cathartic for us. Um, I know you're super busy and I appreciate your time. So I'm going to get you. No, I'm not busy. We just talked about how busyness is, is, is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I know you gotta go sit on a park. You have to go sit on a park bench and and consider your. Like it's all good. (laughs) So where can people? Where can people find you? Where can people get information about uh, uh, Oma and the Wendy Project? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter. It's Osborne J Melissa. I think Melissa J Osborne is taken. Um, And like Oma updates will probably be there if you're in. Any festivals are on my webpage. And then for the Wendy Project, uh, there's a Facebook page if you want to follow that. That'll give you all the like articles and, and reviews and stuff if you're one of those people that likes reading that. And then you can also, I would recommend going to your local bookstore if you want to buy it and asking them if they want to carry it. Or you can buy it on Amazon um, or your local comic book shop. That's super cool because then you get other really cool comics. Can, is it is it about is it available a hard copy and digital? Um, I don't think that we're available right now digital. No, I think it's just the the paper uh, the paperback. Okay, so anybody I don't in, know. <coughs> so especially so, be digital. I think it might be digital, like maybe maybe through Amazon or Kindle. I don't know, but I would say that this is a book that like it, having it physically because it is a journal and it's meant to look like a journal is fun. And there's like a ribbon in it, so it looks like a journal, and it's it's a physical artifact that you're reading. So if you, if you can swing the, maybe you don't want to read it. That's cool too. But if you can swing the physical copy, I, I'd say go for it. Oh, they'll read it. Uh, anyway, anybody who's in New York City, I'm gonna go venture out uh, to <laughs> Forbidden Planet in Manhattan and uh, see if they have it. If they don't. Then I'm gonna ask. Uh, I'm gonna special order it through them. So anybody who's in New York City that wants to join me, uh, you can uh, email. Yeah, and I the think podcast. I think most bookstores should be having it. I think August August first. It's technically out now, but I, I think most retailers will have it by August first. All right, and we'll and we'll uh, we'll start doing. We'll start polling uh, what the cosplay outfit will be for next Comic Con. I like denim shirt, Converse sneakers. I think it's just like a hoodie. It's just like a, it's a really simple, real simple cosplay. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how people feel about it and 
and the stories that they have to tell, you know, after reading it. Like, what it brings up for them. Melissa, it is always fun to check in with you and to hear your... I know. Hear about, it's so good to hear your voice. I was going to say that. You, I was just kidding. That was my line. I was going to oh, say it's good to hear oh. your voice and, and, hear, and hear your laugh. And, um, you know, everybody listening, uh, you know, I try to keep this professional, but, you know, Melissa is one of my favorite people in the world, and I get inspiration uh, through her hard work and her perseverance uh, in the things that she does. She's always trying to not only put great stuff out in the world, but she's also working very hard on herself. And so uh, I'm very inspired by that. And check her out, and I think you're you will be too. You're very kind. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And she I loves dogs, and, all yeah, and we all love dogs. <laughs> I love dogs a little too much. Oh, yeah, my dog is staring at me right now. Like, why are you? Why are you on this call? It's time, yeah. She's saying it's time. She's so, not positive time. She doesn't know. She doesn't care about books. She doesn't read. That's right. Well, soon maybe we'll all be like that. Well, sweet listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll put links up to all the things that we just discussed. Um, go out, check out Oma, check out Wendy Project, check out Melissa's uh, Twitter, and uh, Bodhisattva. Go out and do good in the world. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>